Well, good morning. Hey, we're in a message series called Mind My Own Business, and we've been talking for weeks on mental health. Mental health. Today, we're going to talk about what might be the most challenging message of all. We're going to talk about trauma. And it's a subject, quite honestly, that you probably don't hear much about in churches, but we're going to talk about it today here. Many of you, maybe, in fact, probably the majority of you at some point in your life have suffered some kind of trauma. You've probably experienced something severe, some kind of abuse, some kind of hurt, some kind of heartache. And so it's with a heavy heart a compassionate heart that I've been praying all week that the presence of God today would do something in so many people who need some hope so that your ears and your hearts would be open. If you would, take out your message outlines. We're going to start with a definition or kind of a working definition of what is trauma. A lot of people think that trauma is an event. It's an injury physically that you suffered. It's some sort of abuse. But technically speaking, trauma is actually the response to what happens in an event. It's the response that comes after an event. A good definition of trauma, I've put it on your note sheets, trauma is a response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. That's what trauma is. Some think trauma is physical, it is some traumatic injury, but it's more than that. Trauma is actually, it can be spiritual, it can be emotional, trauma can affect you mentally. There's all sorts of the ways that trauma affects our bodies, and it's not just physical, it's our mind, it's our spirit. And so that's why it's so important to remember this, it's the starred point on your note sheets, is that the wounds that you can't see can hurt more than the ones that you can see. How many know that's true? A lot of us on the outside, we look fine. A lot of us physically are fine on the outside, but we have wounds on the inside that people can't see. They don't know anything about often unless we say something. And so it's with a real awareness today that I'm speaking on this subject because I know that you're wounded. The likelihood is the people sitting around you, whether you're here in this room or your home or you're somewhere else, the people around you are wounded. They're hurting. They've had some horrible experiences. There's pain that they're dealing with, scars that they're dealing with that you know nothing maybe about until they would sit down with you if they felt safe enough around you, if they got to know you well enough where they might say, here's what's going on. And sure enough, I've seen it way too often. (laughs) I've seen well-intentioned Christians that someone goes to a small group, they go and they're sitting in church somewhere, they're in a group of people and they feel comfortable enough to share what they're going through. And then some well-intentioned Christian quotes Romans 8 that says, and we know that all things... That God works them together for the good for those of us that love Him and are called according to His purpose. 
which is a true verse. Absolutely, it's a true verse. It's a powerful verse. It's a verse that I believe in. But sometimes timing isn't always the most helpful, is it? When you still feel like maybe you're in shock from whatever the trauma was. When you're in a place where mentally you're just still kind of living in denial. Where you're doing everything you can to try to control your emotions. Or you're in a place where you're just overwhelmed with anxiety. People don't even know it took everything in you to get yourself up and out of bed and dressed. Or even when what may have happened to you, it may or may not have even been your fault. But somehow you're still holding on to guilt and shame. Some of you are holding guilt and shame for something you didn't even do to yourself. So today, very prayerfully, we're going to walk into this subject of how do you heal from trauma? Would you just join me in prayer? God, I just thank you for today. God, I pray today that every person that's here, every person that is tuning in, that will tune in later, that God, you do what only you can do in the hearts and lives of your people. That God, the power that's in your word would be what people experience because it's there, God, that the power is to heal, to transform, to shape, to mold. And God, so we trust you and we love you. Thanks for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you grew up in a generation much like mine. I can remember growing up, and I don't know how it was in your house, but I played a lot of sports, right? And when you play a lot of sports, you often get injured. You get bumps, you get bruises. Fortunately, I never had like a serious injury. But I can remember my mama and my daddy, like if I was playing outside and got scuffed up a little bit, you know, my dad would say, just rub a little dirt in it and get back out there. How many of you know what that's like, right? Just, I mean, come on, suck it up, buttercup, right? You've all heard those things. I'm not even, yeah, I, don't get me started on that, whether that's a good or a bad thing. But anyway, I kind of grew up like that. If somebody had said, oh, I'm experiencing trauma, I grew up in a generation, we might have just said, hey, yeah, just get over it. Like, get over it. Like, you got to go on with life, right? We've all heard that. Maybe you've said that to yourself, and, or, or you've heard this one, like, you know, well, oh, I get it, honey, but time heals all wounds. That's garbage. Time does not heal nothing. It's what you do with time. I've seen people that work through things in a series of time, and they're way in a better place. I've seen people that have been stuck for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years, and they're no further down the road than when they first experienced trauma. Time doesn't heal all wounds. And so what I want to do today is I want to kind of build a foundation of understanding of what trauma is, and then I want to move into Scripture and say, how do we pursue healing? How do we seek God? What, what does our God, our Creator, have to say about those of us that have experienced trauma? Because He promises, in this life you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. So there's hope there. There's hope there. 
We're going to start with three different types of trauma just to build a foundation of understanding. We're going to go through these pretty quickly. If you're taking notes, the first type is what they call acute trauma. Acute trauma. If you're one of these, you're just like, okay, what are the other two? I'll give them to you, then we'll talk about them. How that? For some of you that are antsy. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, I want to know what the other two are. Okay, so we got acute trauma, there's chronic trauma, and then there's complex trauma. So let's look at acute trauma. Well, acute trauma, if you really want to know, it's a one-time event. It's a one-time traumatic event. It's acute. It's focused in a very short window. Maybe you had a horrible car accident, and you can still kind of replay what happened, and it feels like slow motion, but it was one thing. Maybe you lived through a tornado, and you can remember the winds, and you can remember trees, and you can remember maybe part of your roof was taken off of your house or whatever, but it's, it's, a, it's a one-time event. Maybe you grew up on one of the coastlines, right? And you say, I grew up in Florida, and I know what it's like to have a hurricane, right? And you, can, you know that story, and it can just take you back, but it was a one-time event that caused your trauma. Maybe it was a complicated birth. For some of you, maybe you lost a business during the pandemic and you worked so hard. And then what seems like overnight, it was taken away. For somebody else, they could go all the way back to college. And maybe you were at this party, you were at this place and you were raped. That's acute trauma. It was a one-time thing. But it's very vivid to you. And you've been struggling. The second time of type of trauma is chronic. Chronic tra- trauma is a long-term response from a prolonged or a repeated event. Right? It could be Acute, which is one time, but this is a long-term event. It could happen multiple times over a bigger period of time. Some of you may have been bullied and you can look back through all of your elementary and maybe through middle school, maybe all the way through high school, you were bullied. And still to this day, you've been shaped by being bullied. For some of you today, just to go there mentally, you're like, oh, I can, I can, I can still sense it. I, I was changed by it. It was a series of events over a longer period of time. That's chronic. For somebody else, maybe it was drugs, it was alcohol. And you can still look back and you can just see that, you know, weeks turn into months and months turns into years. And that's chronic. For some of you, maybe you grew up in an abusive home. You can still remember the fights. You can remember the yelling. You can remember the words that a mother or father, the ones that were supposed to protect you, how they belittled you and tore you down emotionally. And what was supposed to be in your house, a safe zone, you never felt safe there. That's chronic trauma. And then the third type of trauma, as we called it, is complex trauma. Complex trauma. That's a response to multiple and ongoing events. It's kind of got all of the ones that we've already talked about all mixed in together. 
You see the combination of all of these in someone or in your own self. There was, there's, there was chemical abuse and it's still going on. There was alcohol abuse and it's still going on. There was physical abuse and it was still going on. There was sexual abuse and for some of you, it may still be going on. And the list goes on and on and on. It's complex. It's a myriad of all that we talked about. And no matter what you've been through, no matter what level of trauma that you've experienced, it changes your perspective. It changes how we view life. It changes how we view people. It even changes how you view God. For many people, it's been shaped by the trauma that we've experienced. I'll give you an example um, for me that's not nearly as severe as what many of you have gone through. But I learned right through my counseling that uh, you don't compare trauma. You know, there's always that person, you tell them one thing, and they're like, well, let me tell you what I went through. That, that's not what we're doing. So don't send me an email and say, oh, yeah, what you shared. It's nothing compared to what I went through. I get it. We're not comparing trauma. But in 1987, my wife and I, believe it or not, I had surrendered to the ministry. I was on my way to a bookstore about 40 miles away on a Wednesday night to pick up my first preaching Bible, right? And we took my motorcycle. And we were cruising in, down the highway, and we're starting to come into Brownwood, Texas. And I can still picture it like it happened yesterday. There's two lanes coming into Brownwood, two lanes coming out with a turn lane in the center. And it was right after work, and so a lot of people are going both directions. So there was a lot of traffic. We had music playing. My wife's behind me on the motorcycle singing as we're going down the highway. As we start to come into town, still going 55 or 60 miles an hour, there's a motorcycle or a pickup truck that moves into the turn lane to hit a Y. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I see his blinker, and I'm coming up. And right when I got close, he cut right in front of us. That's kind of what I did. My wife's singing on the back. She has no idea. So it's amazing how many thoughts can go through your head in a quick minute. And I'll try to make this story short. But I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. And my first thought was, can I gun it and get in front of him and beat his turn? And then about the time that I thought I could do that, he saw us. And so he started to break. So now I'm thinking, great. Now I'm going to plow right in the side of him and we're going to go over. And so then I applied the brakes more and I made a split second decision to take myself and to shove my wife off the back seat, which I did right mid song. <laughs> I didn't get to see what happened, but I'll t later eyewitnesses said that when she hit the pavement, she bounced two or three times about four foot in the air as she went off to the side of the road, not getting hit by a car. I locked up the back brake. By then, I knew I had to go try to go behind the truck. And so I did. I locked up my brake. I picked my leg up over the seat and laid the bike down and jumped off on the road. Remember, I was going 55 or 60. I was always a pretty quick cat, but I wasn't that fast. <laughs> so I fell down. I remember my mom always saying that on a motorcycle, you often get hit from behind. So I remember slow mo turning around and seeing. My bike was going right down the turn lane sliding and never rolled. I slowed myself with my forearms enough to push myself back up and continue to run. And then I looked for my wife who was back a ways on the side of the road, sitting on the curb. She had some road rash because she was wearing sandals. I know we were 20 something. We we're dumb. Okay. 
She had skinned up her elbows pretty good. Later, we found out she had a stress fracture in her foot. Neither one of our helmets hit the ground. I split my jeans about an inch on the side. Still to this day, have no idea. I had no skinned up places on my knees. I had a very small strawberry on one arm, forearm. I still had my sunglasses on, my helmet on. And anyway, I'm not going to tell you the rest of that story because it makes me look even worse. But I got my preaching, I got my preaching Bible. Let me just say that. <laughs> my wife went to the doctor. I didn't go to the doctor. The doctor said, where's your husband? And she said, oh, he went to get his book, his Bible. And he said, well, neither one of you will be able to walk probably tomorrow. You'll have a hard time getting out of bed. No joke. My wife was really sore. Found out about a week or so later, she had a stress fracture. I didn't have a bruise. I didn't have an ache. I didn't have a sore bone or a joint or muscle the next day. It was a God thing. Anyway, all that to tell you, it changed the way I rode a motorcycle. We rode the motorcycle home that day, kind of like this because the handlebars were bent. Um, did I tell you we were 20-something and dumb? I kept that motorcycle for another couple of years till we moved back to Michigan, and then I sold it. I didn't get another motorcycle until like 2005, and I bought another motorcycle. My wife actually rode it with me. But I never could come up to a four-way stop Never come up to a side road with seeing a car there without me honking my horn. If you ever got honked at and it was me and you're like, idiot, I see you, that's because of the trauma that we experienced there. I never could trust another driver. Still to this day, if I ride a motorcycle, I don't have one right now, but um, I've never been able to ride a motorcycle the same way. You might say, holy cow, he looks like some grandpa. Well, I, I actually am a grandpa now. That's kind of weird. <laughs> but driving a motorcycle, it changed me. It changed me. That one acute event. Some of you have been hurt by people, and still to this day, you have a hard time trusting people. Some of you have a hard time trusting God today because of what you've went through. They say that the way our earthly father relates to us is our number one default of how we think God is, and so for a lot of people, that's a bad place, right? God understands that. Some of you had someone in your family that you thought had your best interest in mind, but they hurt you. They took advantage of you. And you still have this great fear that they might do that same thing to one of your kids. That's real stuff. Well, is there any hope? How do you heal from a trauma, trauma, no matter what level or what area of trauma it was. Well, that's where we're going to turn to God's Word, and we're actually going to look at someone that, depending on how knowledgeable you are of this character in the Bible, who is a real person just like you and I. He experienced trauma that if you don't know much of his story, you may have never guessed that he experienced trauma. He wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. His name is the Apostle Paul, and many people have no idea that he experienced acute trauma. He experienced chronic trauma, and he also experienced complex trauma. And so I want to show you a little bit of his story, but I want you to watch what God did in the Apostle Paul's life. I want you to see what he did. I also want you to see what he doesn't do through some of Paul's trauma. But one thing I will tell you is Paul became stronger because of what he went through. If you don't know the Apostle Paul before he was this Christian 
leader who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he killed Christians. He certainly wasn't a Christian, but he had Christians killed. But his conversion to becoming a Christ follower, believe it or not, was traumatic. Like I look back at mine, mine would have been like a Hallmark movie, right? I grew up as a pretty good kid, you know, I, I just didn't know Jesus. I was on a golf course one day golfing and was led to Christ. And it just seemed too good to be real that God would do that for me. I thought I was pretty good on my own. And I found out, that no, I'm a sinner on my own. I wasn't a murderer. I didn't do all these crazy stuff, but I was in need of Jesus. So mine would have been like a Hallmark movie. Paul's was traumatic. Paul's on his way, right, to Damascus. And he gets struck down literally by a bright light. Now, I don't know about, you can read that later in Acts chapter 9, as well as I put some of his other experiences there that you can read on your own and see some more of his trauma. But anyway, he's on the road to Damascus. This bright light comes down from heaven and literally knocks him to the ground. And I mean, I don't know what the light is. You can explore, you can read. It doesn't really tell us. I go back to my elementary science class and I'm thinking maybe it was lightning. Whatever it was, God was in control of it and it struck him down and a voice came from heaven. It didn't say, hey Paul, I'd really like you to give your heart to me. It was like, what, what are you doing to me, Paul? Why are you persecuting me, Saul? His name before God gave him Paul was Saul. Why are you doing this? And for three days, Saul went blind. He couldn't see. He didn't know the end of the story. He didn't know that three days later, some guy was going to show up and speak to him and he was going to be healed of his blindness. He didn't know that story because it hadn't happened yet. So he's blind. He's knocked down by lightning. He all of us in an instant lost his view and he's roaming around. And so this Christian killer becomes converted to a Christian by this bright blinding light and God talking to him. Now, for the rest of Paul's life, he was a solid, solid believer. But it wasn't a happy ever afting story, right, that we've all heard. It's like you give your life to Jesus, everything's wonderful from there. No, 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 no. Somebody lied to you. In this world, you will have troubles. Paul suffered a lot a very graphic abuse after becoming a Christ follower. He had to run for his life, in fact. You can read about that. He was whipped and beaten over and over and over again. We'll talk about that in a second. He endured ongoing severe trauma, but he, and he wasn't healed from all of it. We'll talk about that. So the first thing that I want to look at, if you're taking notes, the three things that we can learn from Scripture about pursuing healing with God. And remember, we've all experienced some kind of trauma. We've all had hurt. We've all had heartache. How do you get healed from it? How do you go to God with it, whether or not He ever heals it all or He doesn't? There's hope. So the first thing is we process the pain of our trauma. The first thing we need to do is we have to process the pain. Some people just ignore it. Some people just say, if you ignore it, it'll go away. No, 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 no. You've got to acknowledge it. You can't be healed from it if you don't acknowledge that it's there. This whole thing like, well, just act like it never happened. It happened. It happened. You don't need to act like it never happened. You need to admit that it did. You need to acknowledge this happened. You don't ignore the wound and it will just go away. No, you don't suppress the wound. 
Through this whole series, I've said, listen, it's okay. if you're not okay, it's okay. But get help. There's hope. There's hope. And we start to heal when you take it to God and you begin to process it. Some of you have to just acknowledge. It's hard for you maybe even to say, I was abused. I'm an addict. I was taken advantage of. I made a lot of bad choices. I was raped. I was abandoned. I was mistreated physically. The people that were supposed to protect me hurt me. And the reason that we don't want to say it is because we feel weak. We feel vulnerable. We feel helpless. No, you're admitting it and acknowledging it is your first step to some strength and some hope and some healing. There's a couple of bullet points for you to fill in here. What happens according to the experts is instead of speaking or instead of seeking connection, we prioritize protection. Instead of seeking connection, instead of acknowledging it and seeking some help, we tend to prioritize protecting it. We try to protect ourselves. We try to protect our past. We try to protect the fact that I was abused, that I was taken advantage of, that I've got some addiction going on. We try to protect it. And then the second bullet says this, and the problem is, is that we don't heal in isolation. Do you hear that? You don't heal in isolation. You heal best in community. There's, there's something about us that we want to keep it to ourselves and try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and make it all happen ourselves, but it's not that way. God wants us to go to community. Listen, when I went away, I finally had to admit I can't solve my problem. That was a big step. Most of you aren't going to stand in front of hundreds of people and say, hey, okay, here's where I'm at. But it was the first step to healing. It brought me into a bigger circle of people community where I could get some help. We heal together best with people, with the people of God. That's why we talk about small groups. We're going to do an overhaul of small groups in the next several months. Why? Because we need people in community. We don't want just a friendly church. You need friends. You need connection. You need people to do life with. You need people to hold you up when you're weak. You need people to pray with you, to encourage you, and you vice versa. Because the Bible says when we confess our faults to one another and we pray for each other, Scripture says that's how you will be healed. Some of us aren't healed. Listen, I, I prayed and prayed and prayed, God heal me. God was saying, okay, let people know you're struggling. The challenge is if you ignore the pain, the wound is still there. What happens is when you keep it all to yourself and you won't say, I need some help, then you turn inward. And you'll move to something else to try to cope with the pain. That's how people get to alcohol. That's how people get to drugs. That's how people get to food addictions. That's how people get to sex addictions. You're masking the pain. You're getting a temporary reprieve only to wake up and the pain still be there and you have to do it again and again and again and again and again and again 
and again. Paul actually processed his trauma. We're going to look at a rather big picture, big piece of scripture today um, that Paul actually wrote, and he's telling us what he's been through. He's telling us what he's been through. And he's sharing in writing how he's kind of processing his pain. And you can read the whole thing later. I'm going to do a little bit of paraphrasing and hit the high points. But essentially, he was in prison. He was in prison so many times you couldn't count. Five times he was beaten with 39 lashes. You say, what's the big deal with 39 lashes? Get this, there was a method to this. You could whip legally a person 39 lashes. Just shredded their body, 39 39 was considered a beating. 40, they said, would normally kill a man. So 40 was called murder. So you could beat someone 39 times if they died. Oh, my bad, but I didn't murder you because that took 40 and I only gave you 39. He had been whipped 30, with 39 lashes five different times. He had been shipwrecked. He had been almost starved to death. He almost froze to death. He was in danger everywhere he went. Remember, he's now a Christian, but his trauma continues to go on. And notice 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9. It says, Paul's writing this. He said, we were under great pressure. Watch this. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despised of life itself. I want to pause for a moment. Have you ever been, and maybe you're there, in a place where literally you hurt so badly that you just despised life? You were so sick and tired that you didn't even think you wanted to go on with life. If that's where you're at, you're in pretty good company because the Apostle Paul that wrote two-thirds of our New Testament was in that place. Well, what did he do? He's talking about it. That's sharing. He's writing about it. He's processing. And I want you to find a safe place where you can do that. For some of you, maybe what you're going through is you could share it with your small group. You could share it with a couple of close Christian friends. Some of you need to do what I do, and that is to go to a very skilled professional and get the help that you need. But can I tell you something? There's hope. You have to raise your hand and ask for it, though. And God will use often a community to do something. But you've got to take a step. You've got to take a step. You don't have to, but look at the two sides. You don't have to continue to live like you're living. When you ignore it, it doesn't go away. You just add more time, it doesn't go away. It's what you do with the time. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing we need to do. Is we need to prayerfully press into God with our trauma. We, we, gotta, we, we, we take it to God. We cry out to God. We talk to God. You might even complain to God about it. He can take it. I've heard people say, I, I felt bad. I got angry with God when I was praying. He can handle it better than anybody else you could yell at. He can handle it. And that's what Paul did in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't know the context of his character... Paul talked about having a thorn in the flesh. It wasn't, I don't, it wasn't a physical thorn in his skin that he was walking by a thorn bush and it went in his, that's not what it is. Scholars disagree on what it might have been. Some speculate he had a problem with his eyes his whole life, which you can imagine the problems that would be. Some people thought, you know, maybe he had other something physically that just was a constant pain for him. 
that he couldn't get to go away. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed to God. He begged God to take it away. Matter of fact, look what he did in verse 8 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. I begged him to take it away from me. Whatever it was, we don't know what it was, but he begged God. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you, like I did, laid in bed at night and just begged God, please take this away. Please, God, get me through this, out of this, whatever. But God didn't take it away. You never know if God's going to take it away. You never know if the way God wants to heal you is in a different way than you had in your mind. I begged God to heal my, my mind, my mental exhaustion, but It wasn't until I said to a few people first and then a large group of people and then went somewhere with a skilled group of people that I really got the help that I needed. But you take it to God. You take it to God. You say, I don't even know how to heal. I don't even know how to get out of this. Of course you don't. But take it to God because he's got the answers. The Bible says what? We've looked at this several times in this series. Cast all your cares, God says, on me. Because I care for you. Isn't it amazing how people, some people, won't share what's going on really in their life with others in community, but they'll puke gossip out to other people. Cast your cares, God says, on me. Take your burdens to me. Give me your praise. Give me your focus. Give me your thanksgiving. Give me the hurt that I see in your heart. And Paul's saying, God, please take it away. Three times. I don't think that was like he prayed three different times. God, will you take this thorn in my flesh away? God, could I see whatever his thorn was? But scholars believe it was three long, solid seasons where he was very persistent, begging God, please, please, please. But God didn't take it away the way Paul hoped that he would. But you know what God responded to Paul? Look at verse 9 and 10. Here's what God said to him. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, God says, is perfect in your weakness. God was telling Paul, yeah, you know, Paul, I know you're struggling. I know you got this thorn in the flesh, but trust me, my power, my peace, my grace is sufficient because in your, in your weakness, I can show my power. Paul, I've got a bigger idea. Yeah, one day it'll all make sense. I know it doesn't to you now, but Paul, I'm going to use some of your pain to help other people in their pain. Here we are 2,000 years later, we're still getting inspiration for what Paul went through. And that's why he writes, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. You are a weird dude. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Why would, he, why would he delight in those? Here's the key. For when I am weak, he says, then I'm strong. Why is he strong? Because he's powerful. No, because God in him and his grace is sufficient and working through Paul to do bigger things to impact others. 
And I hope you'll hear this because this is for somebody here. I hope it sinks into your soul. Nothing, not even God can change your past. But God can heal your broken heart. Nothing can change your past, but God can heal your broken heart. Look at Psalm 34, 18. We need to be reminded that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. In Him there's hope. In Him there's healing. Will it all work out the way we want it to? Maybe not. But if not, it's not because He's not aware and it's not because He doesn't care. He's got a plan. Let's look at the third thing. We've got the pain of trauma We need to process that pain with some trusted people. We need to prayerfully press into God. Number three, and for some of you, this this may make you a little mad, depending on where you're at with your, your trauma. This may be a little early for you. You might not be ready for this yet. So don't yell at me or anything. I'm telling you, timing is everything. And maybe for some of you, this isn't the best time yet. We pursue purpose in our trauma. We pursue purpose. You get to a point with your trauma, and maybe you're not there yet, where you start to pursue purpose. You try to make some sense out of it and say, like Paul did, God, how could you use the pain that I've been through for a purpose, for something good, because in my life this wasn't good. So God, how could you bring good out of that? Well, remember, we serve a God who can make resurrections happen after funerals. Notice this verse, praise be to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us, where? In all our troubles. Why would he do that? For a purpose. It goes on, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. He just gave Paul the answer. He gave us the answer. Why would God allow me to go through pain? Why would he allow you to go through pain? It breaks his heart that you hurt. If you're hurting, he hurts. But he says, listen, you're going to have problems, but take heart, I've overcome the world because I'm going to take some of that and I'm going to make something good come out of that. I'm going to use something in your life that was painful for you so that you can offer comfort to somebody else. This would normally be the time in my message where I would tell a story of somebody here at church that... um, was going through something. They didn't understand it. But I'm going to come off of this platform and I'm going to kind of sit amongst the normal people because I'm not just a pastor. (laughs) I'm a normal people. And sometimes we all hurt. And I've been hurt. 
the people that are behind me and all around this room, you've been hurt. We've all been affected by trauma. Just in the last three years, let's just face it, the world has changed. Some of you don't even know why, but you, you have a shorter fuse than you've ever had. You get angrier quicker. You get frustrated more easily. Somebody can say or write something that you disagree with and bam! You're done with them. We've all been affected. You know what I know about most everybody in this room and watching? If the truth were known, you're not okay. And you know what I know about you if you're not okay? You're not okay. But there's hope. There's hope in Christ. There's power in Him. There's healing in Him. There's healing when you raise up your hand and say, I need some help. I'm stuck. I'm hurting. I'm tired. There's hope. Maybe what happened to you, it may or may not even have been your fault. But can I tell you something? Whether it was or wasn't your fault, it's your responsibility to pursue Jesus for healing. That's your responsibility. No one can do that for you. No one could do that for me. I'm not where I used to be. But I'm in a better place than I was. And I can tell you this, it helps when you have a best friend that you can pray with, that has your back, that hurts with you, that hurts for you, that sticks with you. And you know what we've done? We've pressed into Jesus together. We're spending more time with Him together. We're worshiping Him together. There's hope. There's healing, whether it comes the way you wanted it to or you don't, or it doesn't. Whether the pain or the trauma in your life you caused or someone else. That you can't change. But you are responsible for moving forward. To pursue Jesus. To go to Him. He says, come to me and get healing. I hope today, no matter where you're at in your story, that you see that there's hope in the name of Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? God, I pray. 
pray for every person that's here in this room, every person that's watching online. God, that um, you meet them right where they're at. That you um, let them know that you're there. Even if they don't feel you, you're there. You care. We can come to you. We can be honest with you. And I pray for everyone to do that right where they're at, just in their own heart to say, God, I'm hurting. God, I need help. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't have to be ashamed. I just need to acknowledge it and take a step to get the help I need, to share it with someone, a trusted, close Christian friend, my small group, a professional. Give me the courage to do it now. Listen, with our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, can I tell you, that's your first step. That's your greatest step. Paul was killing Christians until he met Jesus, struck down by a light, I pray today that you're struck down by love, that you realize no matter where you've been, what you've done, how long you've been doing it, whether someone did it to you or you did it to yourself, you're not damaged goods. You're a creation of God's. And if you'll provide the sinner who you are, God will provide the Savior whose name is Jesus who will take everything you've ever done wrong and forgive you. Cast it as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says. He will adopt you into his family. He will take up residence in your heart. He will give you credit for his perfection because you're not. And he'll take, as he did on the cross, he took all of your sin on himself so that you wouldn't have to pay yourself for all you did wrong. If that's you right where you're at, say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. I can't earn heaven because heaven requires perfection. And once I blow it once, I'm no longer perfect. So by faith today, I give you my heart, my life. I turn from being boss of my own life. And I put my hands up and surrender. And I give my heart to you by faith. Come into my heart. Adopt me into my, your family. Forgive me of all my sins. And from this day forward, God, I want to learn to love you like you love me. I want to use the time my talents and the abilities and resources that you've put in my hands to bring honor and glory to you. God, I want to have a story where the trauma or the pain in my life, I surrendered to you and you used God through me the darkest season of my life to bring light into someone else's life. Because God, I believe you're true that you don't waste a hurt. You've got a plan. And I trust you. And I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.